Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. And the question becomes, when will the Miami Dolphins actually lose a football game? Welcome to Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show, SB Nation's number one source for all content that is the Miami Dolphins. My name is Jake Mendel. Joining me as he does each and every week, and he actually, he's wearing a tie. Games in two days. He's not really wearing a tie, but that's how professional we're going to act like the show is. Joshua! 48 hours, give or take, and the Miami Dolphins will start the 2021 season. How are you feeling, my friend? Uh, Well, I definitely got butterflies, but dude, I am so stoked that we were able to watch football yesterday. I know Tom Brady won the game 31-29, but just that football back in our life, Jake, was something. That was so much fun. So much fun. And to see your fantasy teams go up and down, you know, I have guys in just about 15 different leagues. So I saw everybody tweeting out Chris Godwin this, Rob Gronkowski that. Um, I probably had them in a bunch of leagues, but I've also played them in a bunch of leagues. So it, it was nice to finally have football back, Jake. What about you? I uh, I had I did a fan duel. I got like a free voucher into something, and then I got four strong players, nice. and then I had Ronald Jones for negative one points, just Wolf. staring me at the face. So that this so that was at least you didn't cool. draft Ezekiel Elliott. Oh my! He actually Zeke did better than Ronald Jones did. So that, that's that's kind of tells you how bad he is. But Josh, you just gave us the perfect segue. But because before we talk about the Miami Dolphins coming up here to the Northeast to face the New England Patriots. We joke a lot that I'm a lot younger than you, even though we're kind of in this weird area where we kind of can relate on a lot of things. So you just said it. Woof. You've been you've been watching a little Blues Clues lately? I haven't, but I've been definitely getting teary eyed watching some of those 25, what, 25 year anniversary, man. My my sister was all about Blues Clues. So those things definitely hit home a little bit. Can can you like the so I'm going to be the total wet blanket here. I don't understand why everyone got so riled up about this. I understand. I mean, I watch Blues Clues and. I, like everyone else, went to the uh, quick instinct of acting like a high schooler and saying he left because he was on drugs or this and that. But, you know, credit for Steve for actually going out and pursuing his dreams, realizing he did not want to stare at a cartoon dog for the rest of his life and move on with his life. So, Josh, yeah, you're right. It it was a little emotional. But but at the end of the day, I think we all need to give a hat tip to Steve because um, we made him a boatload of money by liking his show and uh, he gave us some good times. So it was kind of a win win for everyone. It really was. And it was just funny, though, to see him, you know, list different things that people were dealing with. And the first thing was student loans. And it's just like a gut punch right to everyone. And, you know, <laughs> yes. got them student loans piling up. He said family. I mean, I can relate to that. So um, I, I think a lot of it was relatable, but it was nice to see Blue's Clues come back, Steve come back and, you know, tell his fans, you know, people that watched him every single day why he left. He Not actually too much- looked like Michael Myers in The Master of Disguise. <laughs> I know that's a movie we don't like to talk about oh, too man. much, but he could have, if you put him in that turtle outfit, he most certainly is Michael so, Myers. So, so he's tur- is he turtle enough for the turtle club is that was that the same <laughs> yes oh my he's like god pumping his shoulders up yeah <laughs> dude that movie was so bad i remember seeing it when like i didn't know anything about movies i'm like this guy's hilarious he's a turtle and then i'm like jesus christ he's a f- 
her at all. So it, it's interesting how you grow up and learn these things. But that's in it. The regular season starts this week. Josh, we spent months and months breaking down this roster, trying to understand the vision that Brian Flores and his coaching staff has in place. And Sunday is going to give us our first taste against a incredibly tough opponent in the New England Patriots. Josh, the Patriots and the Dolphins actually faced each other to begin last season too. Uh, it was kind of the Cam Newton game. And I kind of have the same fears before we get into our five keys that we're really going to jump in today. I kind of have the same fears here where, yes, it's Mac Jones. Yes, it's a rookie quarterback. And I do feel pretty strong about those two things helping the Miami Dolphins. But at the same time, there's that fear of the Bill Belichick's and the unknowns of the world. And the idea that I could just see not... Not uh, any of the top three New England Patriots running backs going off. I'm horrified that J.J. Nelson's going to finish with 12 you know, carries for 115 yards. So that's kind of my biggest fear as we really start to uh, uh, look at this matchup. Yeah, and I don't think those fears will ever go away. You know, this is still a New England Patriots. This is still Bill Belichick. But, Jake, it's crazy to look at this lifetime record between the two teams. The Miami Dolphins are 57 and 54 lifetime. Like you mentioned, they're now 2-2 two and two under Brian Flores. Bovado has the Pats opening as three-point favorites with the over and under set at 43 and a half. So, um, you know, these two teams are pretty similar. You know, you got these two young quarterbacks. Interested to see the way these defenses approach this game. But, Jake, I mean, it's just so nice to finally have football back. But isn't it some shit that now we got to wait till 425 on Sunday? We got to watch all these other games and just sit there and wait and wait and wait. I was going to ask, are you? You you dislike that, so I, I understand the idea of having to wait the extra three hours, but the fact I can kind of enjoy a, what, 10-12 game NFL slate for the one o'clock is a little exciting to me, I and I, I do get where you're coming from. I'd love them to be playing at nine in the morning, wake up, watch it, and get all that out of my system right away, uh, but at the same time, Josh, I'm looking forward to a, a relaxing one o'clock slate to really kind of leap into the football season, get my uh, body comfortable with the, the temperature of the water before really diving into the stress, the anxiety, and um, potential tears of, of the Miami Dolphins and New England Patriots. Yeah, you're probably right. I should probably approach this like it's, uh, you know, the London games where you wake up early and you're all invested in your fantasy teams and then the Dolphins eventually play. I guess for me, it's much better. My wife will be off, so I'll be able to focus on this game. But Ooh, the you. biggest thing here, Jake, is this is a primetime game, isn't it? So the entire world is going to be watching this game most likely, and we're just going to see the ups and downs on Twitter. It's going to be one of those days. But you're right. Maybe it is better that we get to sit here, enjoy football, and then just dive into that game against a division rival like the New England Patriots. Josh, you mentioned the roller coaster that is, you know, kind of watching the game on Twitter. And, and let's get into our first key here. And I think we can kind of, uh, you know, kill two birds with one stone here in a, in a sense. You have here Miami's speedy wide receivers versus New England's depleted secondary. And before you really get into why you think this is a good matchup, can we just kind of embrace the fact that at least our, you know, top five, top six pick in the 2021 NFL draft isn't saying they can't see the football that kind of seems like a pretty big deal to me that it's not our guy for once that everyone's freaking out about yeah it's definitely nice to hear that Jamar Chase you know can't see the football <laughs> has small hands wants to see white lines on there whatever it is I mean they, they're literally making every excuse in the book for this guy and it's just it's just crazy but, balling. yeah yeah well but you know you can even look at it with the old Tua thing man Tua played nine games look good and they're not making as many excuses for him as they are for Jamar Chase who clearly can't catch a football the Patriots with a rookie quarterback despite Tua going six and three that that's probably my most frustrating thing is that I'm a Dolphins fan and instantly every time I, I bring up a statement like this the answer is well yeah you're a Dolphins fan but at the same time man I feel like the Dolphins are being a little disrespected here by being three-point underdogs and yes I get it's the Patriots I guess and I understand that it's Bill Belichick it's a rookie quarterback. I just don't understand how this game isn't more than a rock fight, but 
that that's my tangent, Josh. I'm sorry to get us off track here. Uh, Stephon Gilmore, that's really the great place to start here when we're talking about that New England secondary. The, uh, the Patriots defense is known as one of the top units in the league, despite the fact that they're, they cost more than the Dolphins on DFS. What are you guys doing? But Stephon Gilmore, he isn't going to be playing. J.C. Jackson is a stud. But, Josh, did I see something that he's actually been bothered by a couple of in- injuries? Yeah, I think they're all banged up, Jake. And I was trying to find the article. It was probably behind a paywall. You know how that goes. But, you know, they are concerned up there in New England about this matchup because, I mean, you don't have Stefan Gilmore. You got J.C. Jackson banged up. And then I have written down here the Green Goblin. I don't know if you've ever watched any Philadelphia Eagles games, but um, Jalen Mills is always out there. He's always celebrating. I know Eagle fans say he's notorious for celebrating on plays. You know, he gives up a big play and he's there celebrating. So, Oh, um, he's the Jimmy Wilson. <laughs> yeah, he's Jimmy he's, Wilson. He's the Jimmy Wilson. He's that Madden glitch. It just doesn't go away. And then I looked at the rest of roster Jawan Williams is a guy who it looked like he was going to be on the outskirts and then Sean Wade a guy they just brought in from Baltimore who was drafted in the fifth round so a lot of young players here and to think that you know Devontae Parker went out there and put Stefan Gilmore in a spin cycle I mean what's JC Jackson how's he going to fare against him and then to think that you got Jalen Waddle the speed there you got Albert Wilson speed you got Jakeem Grant speed I mean this to me is how this matchup could be won and lost and I think we're going to go down this this entire thing and probably say that for all of them but I do think that this is that matchup the Dolphins can exploit because you know in years past, I have written down here, you know, it's been the run game that's favored these matchups. I want to see the Dolphins go out there and, and maybe not let Tua cook like we always say, but he has the chance this week to cook for sure. Yeah, Josh, you're 100% right. And you kind of get the impression that it's probably going to be Devontae Parker versus someone like JC Jackson. I just feel like that's the matchup the uh, Patriots will want to approach. And it's important to keep in mind, like we've been preaching the fact that uh, Miami's new receivers, they fit Tua so well. I mean, Devontae Parker has a track record of being a pretty good wide receiver, especially when he's healthy. So I think the, you know, the Patriots facing a young team, uh, having them come in, I think they might try to take away the veteran early on in Devontae Parker. And yeah, you could well actually and say Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant are veterans, but kind of give me a break here in the sense that I think that the Dolphins could lean on Devontae Parker if the Patriots don't decide to take him away. I think he could be that guy that just consistently moves the chains. Uh, kind of like we saw with Ryan Fitzpatrick, where it could be 12, 13 receptions and then something bananas like 120 yards, simply because, you know, they have smaller DBs on them. DBs that really can't keep up with Parker as he's breaking out of a route, can't keep up with him simply physically. So I could see that being where the Patriots start their focus in the sense of he's the veteran, he's the most experienced, he's going to come in here and be a professional. I don't think we can let him be the guy to stop us. Completely agree, Jake. And I don't have the exact quote here, but I know Brian Flores was asked during his press conference today, you know, are you comfortable relying on a Preston Williams and Albert Wilson? Some of those guys that didn't get all them reps in preseason, you know, have been kind of on the sitting off onto the sideline a little bit. And he said, yeah, we're confident in that. We'll see the way they go about their day um, practice today. So we don't have an injury report right now, at least not to my knowledge, but hopefully we have one of those before we finish this podcast. Jake, I hate to go back, but I just want to bring one more thing out about all this disrespect stuff because uh, Chris Kaufman tweeted out today, I tried to make this point on the latest three yards per carry episode. Miami's fan base is very defensive about team criticism, but ironically, they're also scared of their own shadows when it comes to team expectations. They've been conditioned to be fearful. And I mean, that just hits it, you know, the nail on the head. I mean, that sounds like all of us. And, uh, you know, Keyshawn Johnson today, it, it, the disrespect, he came out and said, you know, we've seen enough of Mac Jones. We haven't seen enough of Tua Tungvaloa. What the hell are you trying to say? And it's not just him, you know, it's one pun in after another. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get angry. I'm going to take a deep breath. We're not going to make this about Tua. But um, when you hear things like that, it's hard not to get defensive because what, how, how the hell is a guy who never stepped on a football field and played a regular season game? Uh, you know, make you more confident than a Tua Tagovailoa who went six and three despite his mistakes. Yeah, Josh, and it it is that fact that the Dolphins have always been in the hunt. 
So when you look at that from both sides in the hunt, I like it. You got to You got to do it, man. Stay on brand. It's always about the brand. And if if you guys are new to the show, which shout out to everyone who's been reaching out to us on Twitter, uh, the comments we've been receiving, it's really interesting to see everyone kind of rise from the uh, uh, forest a little bit when football season rolls along, especially in a place like Twitter. That's probably the best way to go about it uh, with all things considered. So when, when we look at the Dolphins as being that team in the hunt and you think about the fact that in the NFL, like there are bad teams and there are good teams, but the margin of error between those two sides, the margin of talent is a lot smaller than we like to admit. So when the Dolphins finish the season with a record like eight and eight or seven and nine, we can point to a couple games where we said, well, if, if, and if happened, the Dolphins are a 10 and six team in the playoffs where, you know, if you're someone who covers the entire NFL, you're just playing simply the results. You're playing the fact that the Dolphins didn't make the playoffs with Tua, that Ryan Fitzpatrick had to come in, in three of his 12, what nine starts, excuse me. Sorry. My math is clearly on point today. So that's where they're kind of coming from, where us as Dolphin fans, we love this team. We're embracing this team. And we kind of see where things break wrong or even break right. And I think that's where we get frustrated because there's no definitive saying that the Dolphins are a bad team for the sake of they finish in the hunt. They're never one of the top teams in the in the draft. Okay, the last couple of years is a kind of a different story, especially that 2019 season. That was kind of expected. But at the same time, they haven't had that success where people can be confident and understand that the process is working here in Miami. So I I understand the fan frustration, but it, all it does is gets us worked up. And Dolphins Twitter is quickly really starting to get this identity as a um, misfit toys. It, <laughs> miss it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really starting to look that way. But I mean, Josh, it, it certainly it really goes back to that winning, and it goes back to the proven's. That's why I think Devonte Parker is going to be someone of a key player here today. And then you bring up the questions, Josh. Who's going to cover Jalen Waddle? Who's going to cover Albert Wilson? Matt Collins, Jakeem Grant, these are guys the Dolphins are going to lean on. And New England's depleted secondary isn't going to be able to keep up. So if they do take away Parker, I think that's where we see uh, two of the card dealer, right? Two of the blackjack dealer, where he's going to find the worst cornerback over and over and over. I mean, Josh, we saw Jimmy Wilson get torched by Wes Welker how many years in a row just because the, or the Dolphins couldn't make adjustments. I think that's what this offense can do, where they can look at Waddle or Wilson and say, hey, one of these two guys is going to have a complete mismatch against the linebacker. Even against an outside linebacker in a four and a three, four, they're not going to be able to keep up with the likes of Jalen Waddle or Albert Wilson. So I think that is really where we're going to see Tua. If he's going to be freshman year Tua, where he's concerned, he sees things that he's not used to and is uncomfortable compared to he knows the system that he's in. And he knows that despite look things looking a little weird, this guy is going to be open uh, when he throws the ball. And maybe that's just a testament to this offense, you know, because we're sitting here, we're talking about it. It's all these mismatches, you know, all these pieces they brought in. And we're not even talking about the scheme and just the different positions that Godsey and Stud God are going to put these players in. Um, I don't know who's going to cover Jalen Wilde, to be completely honest, Jake. And, you know, I sat here and said Miami's speedy wide receivers, but we can take it one step further and talk about Mike Gesicki in here. I mean, he's been a mismatch nightmare for uh, the New England Patriots over the last few years. So he's a guy who we see the confidence with Tua Tungvaluwa. We see, you know, them making plays together. So uh, throw him into the mix. How are the New England Patriots going to be able to stop that? And, you know, part of that, they're going to have to attack Tua Tungvaluwa. We're not going to talk about them pressuring Tua Tungvaluwa, but let's talk about one of the Miami Dolphins' big, big keys to this game, and that is getting pressure 
on the rookie quarterback, McCorkle Jones. Miami finished the 2021 season with 41 sacks. That's the most since 2013. I wanted to look up their blitz percentage, uh, did not look that up. So we're just going to say 69%. That'll be the default. So nice. they were, they got to the quarterback on 69% of their blitzes. Um, That's not accurate at all. But for me, I just, I go back to that Chargers game where, you know, Justin Herbert was coming into that game, you know, mid season. That's what people continue to forget. He was coming in mid season and this guy looked confused and he just had the, one of the best seasons by a rookie quarterback. I mean, how's McCorkle Jones going to fare, you know, after what, two, three preseason games, not even getting all the first team reps going out there with a new team, seeing a, a, a Brian Flores defense, that's going to be the key to this game. And I think the Dolphins got to hit him, hit him, hit him, hit her. They got to attack him early and, and force him to make mistakes. But, you know, as some people brought up on Twitter, I think this game's going to be uh, they're going to go out there. They're going to try to establish the run and they're going to do a lot of this underneath stuff that we become accustomed to with New England because uh, they got to get the ball out quick because Brian Flores is definitely smelling blood like a dog in the water. Josh, it might just be because I'm too young. Can you explain to me your uh, Mac Jones game a little bit? Oh, the Mac Jones. That's actually his God given name is McCorkle. Oh, so it's not even a joke. And that's what the uh, joke no. is. Steve wow. Urkel. Steve Urkel How was the comment I made on the last one. And that was uh, the, the dude from Family Matters. I was like, did I do yeah. that? You might not remember oh, him. Stu- but- Come on. I, I know I'm that. sorry. You're like, okay, I'm sorry. I, But yeah, McCorkle <laughs> is this dude's real name. So I'm just going to call him McCorkle until, you know. I'm so on for that. <laughs> until he's no longer a New England Patriot. He's McCorkle. Yeah, Josh, you bring up the great point, and, and I think the way they're going to attack McCorkle starts with the same way they did attack Justin Herbert. I mean, what, what was it, Keelan Allen, who was saying after that game that that Justin Herbert looked so scared, we're playing so scared, that type of thing? I think that is really the the major part of the context I think we're missing when we're looking about the point spreads, when we're looking about the fact that Miami's defense is cheaper than Patriots in DFS is the fact that I think Brian Flores knows how to make these guys really confused, really uncomfortable, especially when you have guys like Emmanuel Agba and uh, Jalen Phillips, who hopefully will be pushing along that edge. Josh, it does start, I think, with the Patriots and their offensive line. I think the Dolphins are going to need to stop the run, and that's why you attack, right? The Dolphins Breaking news are not the greatest team against the run. They weren't last year. I don't think they're going to be this year, but the more pressure you bring, the more people you keep in the box. I mean, that's when you're forcing Jones to really, um, you know, air it out. And if he's going short, I'm sure Brian Flores is going to be ready for that. And that's where we might see, you know, the Javon Holland pick six, the Nick Needham pick six is where one, it's one of those out routes. And I mean, it's just read like a book. And maybe it's not fair to compare him to Herbert because Herbert honestly played a pretty good game in there. I think he stud two touchdowns. He had an interception, was only sacked twice. So um, maybe McCorkle will fare better than we think. But I, I made the joke. He's about as mobile as Drew Bledsoe. And I don't know if you remember Drew Bledsoe, Jake, but he was almost like a statue in the pocket. So um, <laughs> I live in New England, of course. OK, so that's the way I see that. And um, you brought up the run. And I think that's kind of the perfect segue into our next two keys, because As we saw last season, the key to this rivalry so far has been time of possession and running the football. I know that's a big surprise, right? Going back to, you know, the old school ways of football. When the Dolphins lost the time of possession in week one was 34 minutes and 49 seconds to 25 minutes and 11 seconds. So that is almost a 10 minute difference. And then when the Dolphins won back in week 14, the Dolphins almost had 15 minutes more of possession, possessing the ball 37 minutes and 26 seconds to their 22 and 34. So, um, you know, when you couple that possession with the Dolphins' success on the ground, they rushed for 250 yards on the ground in Miami's 20-12 to win back in December. Miles Gaskin did not play, but Salvin Ahmed led the way with 122 yards on the ground. I mentioned that week one loss to the New England Patriots, and guess who led the team in rushing in that game, Jake? Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fig Newton. 
It was Fig. Oh yeah, I guess I guess I should have said for the Patriots. It was Cam Newton. Cam ah, Newton yes, led the yes, yes. led the way with 117 yards on the ground. I think the next guy may have been Sony Michelle with three carries. So I mean, if you're <laughs> looking at why the New England Patriots, you know, had such success against the Miami Dolphins last season, it was that run game, and it, a lot of that yep. stemmed from Cam Newton, who's no longer there. So if they can go out there and you know stop Damian Harris, stop him, Ramondre Stevenson, two players who I think were both you know feel pretty good about as far as a fantasy value. You can't forget James White in there, but if they can stop JJ that Taylor, run, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, JJ Taylor, if they can go out there and stop the run and force McCorkle Jones to beat them with his arm, I think, again, that is the best way for this team to fare. Yeah, Josh, I also have to say shout out to us, you know, for doing five keys and we're combining two of them right here by saying stop the run and establish the run. And Josh, I'm approaching this game with the idea that the Miami Dolphins are not going to be able to run the ball. Well, I mean, you might be able to look at your fantasy team and, and Miles Gaskin might give you a decent day, but if the Dolphins average, you know, four and a half yards per carry close to five yards per carry, I mean, they're, they're going to run away with this game. I just don't see that happening. I do think that you're going to force Mac Jones to throw the ball. I think it's going to be a very awkward football game because I think both teams are going to force the quarterbacks to throw the ball. And I think it's just kind of up to, you know, the team's trust in Tua to really just make the plays. The plays are going to be out there, especially when we talk about that secondary um, and, and how many holes there are out there. And Josh, I think you kind of have a great point here when you talk about Tua using his mobility as an advantage. Uh, when I saw what Dak Prescott was doing last night for the Cowboys, uh, people were tweeting like that kind of seems like the peak of what we could see from Tua. And, and that actually kind of made a, it seemed kind of like common sense to me. Like, wow, why have we made this comparison before? And, and Prescott has that mobility, not in the sense where he's going to run for 20, 30 yards, but just the way he can roll out of the pocket and extend plays and give himself enough time to find those open guys. The Dolphins are going to need that with the struggles they're having on the offensive line. You mentioned it. We don't even know if Austin Jackson is going to be playing. So if we can see a comfortable Tua who can kind of play within himself and move and feel like he's a you know professional quarterback, back out there, I think that's going to go such a long way in the Miami Dolphins winning this football game. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And you don't want to say it was confidence or, you know, swag or whatever it was, but I mean, Tua, it kind of was, yeah, yeah it kind of was. I mean, he was confident. I mean, I remember that play action, you know, he pump faked and that dude jumped up in the air and he ran it in for a touchdown. Christian Wilkins yep. picked him up and he kind of flexed. And then he ran up to the line and did that quick quarterback sneak like a Tom Brady. So um, it stands out because, you know, that was kind of the difference in that game. Maybe Tua didn't beat him with his arm, but he went out there and made plays with his legs. And again, when you're running behind this offensive line for dear life, I mean, he's going to have to probably go out there and do much the same, but that Dak Prescott, you know, we are, are seeing a lot of those, um, I guess, comparisons after last night and our good pal 
Ethan Skolnick asked if Dolphin fans would be mad if, you know, in two years, he's just Dak Prescott. And I just kind of was like, what the just hell, Dak man? Prescott? Like, if he was just Dak Prescott, I mean, I would, I would give him a, a limb right now. If I, You can take my left arm. God, please take my left arm and, and make two a tongue of a little Dak Prescott right now because the Dolphins would be like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I that, that's that, 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 that's a tough one, and that, I guess it's a good way to get uh, fans riled up. Wait, Josh, but, let's move on. Oop, go ahead. I, I just want to say, but to your point, I mean, as for as bad as this offensive line has been this uh, off this preseason, you know, it for us to sit here and say that a key and you know shed light on what the Dolphins did and had so much success last season. If they can't come out here and run the football, you know, we might be seeing to a ton of a little as Dak Prescott throwing the ball 50 times up there in Foxborough. And you know, that I might not that. Yes, I'd I would enjoy hate that. that. I'm, I'm not lying. Oh, you would, you would. Okay. I give me every two, like, like in the preseason, I was thinking he threw an interception just so I could watch him throw a few more passes on another possession. I'm all for it. If two is in a position where he has to throw the ball 50 times, I trust his decision-making to hit on 40 or 50 of those. If this was the, you know, a standardized test up here, we have the MCAS. He'd be acing that thing. He'd gonna, he might make some really stupid mistakes, but the overall average, I mean, I trust two, if he had to throw it 50 times, I, I think Miami would be a very exciting team. If that was the case. All right. Well, now, now I feel a little bad because I was going to say if he goes out there and throws the ball fifty times, I mean that, that could be the recipe for disaster. But let's just let stand Tua on that cook. hill. No, let's stand on that hill. All right. Let's let Tua cook. But Jake, next win on third down. And again, I feel like this might be as cliche as the last few, but um, you know the Miami Dolphins success in game one, they only converted on four of eleven third downs. The New England Patriots converted on five of ten. But in game two, the Miami Dolphins went absolutely ballistic they converted on seven to 12 on third down i think they even had one fourth down conversion there and the new england patriots only converted on two and nine so win the third down force new england off the field i believe it was travis wingfield that said the most successful teams get their quarterbacks into those favorable matchups on third down almost in that clear third and five or less the dolphins led the league last year in getting off the field on third down with a 31.2 percent success rate so um again as cliche as it sounds to to have success on first and second down to get to in those favorable situations on third down, uh, you know, again, key to the game. Yeah. Let, let, let's break this down a little bit. Let's start with the offensive side of the ball. Um, I almost feel Josh, am I crazy to think that I'm kind of more confident if Tua has to throw the ball on third and four, having the offense spread out compared to trying to run it on third to one. Is yes. that bad? Is that wrong? No, that that sounds beautiful to me. Cause that's the mad, <laughs> that's the Madden thing, right? You have a mobile quarterback kind of, you just spread everyone out. And if, something's not there you just run up the middle man football in 2021 is certainly a strange beast and josh something i want to ask you too is the most frustrating thing to me in terms of football plays 1a is the goal line fade that never works two is running on second and ten so josh i want to ask you how do you approach this offense if you're trying to put two in that position where you can make it like a third and four something like that because i'm pretty confident he's going to keep the chains moving nine times out of ten when he has to only get four yards i think that might be the difference between him and and ryan Tannehill. people might be yelling at the radio saying they are so different you know the how they play is so different but what i mean by that is i just remember so many years where ryan Tannehill would be working his life uh, save trying to you know do anything he can to get a first down he'd throw it out to jarvis landry it'd just be that jarvis landry was two or three yards behind the line of scrimmage the dolphins would be forced to punt on a fourth and two this edition of the miami dolphins josh i see a team that is smart that uses analytics that knows that if you want to get a first down you should run to the markers, that type of thing. So I think that might be the biggest difference uh, in terms of what might make Tua successful to where the Dolphins struggled under Tannehill is the fact that I think the quarterback position can now convert those third and shorts just strictly because he can read a defense, he can find the right read and you know pull the trigger. 
and I forget who said it yesterday, but it was, I think they said, you know, Dak Prescott's kind of winning before the ball's even snapped. You know, he's seeing things there. And, you know, that's one of the things that Tua does so well. He can see things and react and he's accurate, deadly decisive. So you keep saying how you'd like to see them, you know, throw the football and get in those favorable matchups, but I can't get that situation out of my mind where the Dolphins got down to the goal line that preseason game and still tried to run the ball three times and just got stuffed at the goal line. So I think, you know, mm-hmm. Hopefully that is not the game plan, you know, during the, during the regular season. But I think, you know, a lot of this offense, you know, these new systems, the, the pre-snap motion, just getting the ball into their playmakers hands. And then those RPOs, I think, you know, that's going to be a pretty big dynamic in this game. You know, when Tua can sit there and read and react to what that end's doing, throw the football if he can hand the ball off, if he can't, you know, that's to me going to, that to me is a modern day NFL offense. And that to me is going to set the Dolphins up for success moving forward. And Josh too, then you kind of flip it the other way. And I'm just kind of, I, I, I can't see the Dolphins, especially their front seven, stopping a rushing Patriots team when they get the ball with a third and three or third or two or something like that. Uh, So I just kind of see a a struggle there where the Dolphins are going to need to hit on those early downs, whether it's making that one stop after two yards. But the second we see these running backs start to fall forward for three or four yards, I think that's where the team might get into trouble. To kind of wrap up this conversation here, Josh, about, you know, winning on third down. I really does start on the other downs. If if Mac Jones is in a lot of third or six or third or sevens and longer, I'm going to feel really confident. Uh, but this defense, uh, considering what we've seen this preseason, once you're in that third and two, third and three, I don't know if we really have the run stoppers to uh, do something about that. Yeah, and I think that's just, you know, us – kind of what CK Parrott say, you know, just being pessimist, you know, we haven't seen it yet. So we're not going to believe it, but um, Jake, you keep mentioning Matt Collins. And I just think it's crazy that, you know, we're viewing him. He's a team captain. You know, we heard the Chicago bears say he was a, a mismatch nightmare out there. I mean, it's just crazy to me to think that, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles fans that, you know, they gave up on him. Saw him as nothing more than a special teams guy. And we're sitting here talking about what he could create as a mismatch. So it's just a testament to how deep this roster is and just a testament to what the dolphins have built here. And I guess that brings me on to our final key. And it's not really a key, but it's just has the apprentice become become the master because you look at what Bill Belichick's success has been up there in New England and we're not going to say it all fell apart when Brian Flores left but I mean Brian Flores has completely shifted things a little bit in the AFC East the Miami Dolphins have looked much different since his arrival so um Jake they're two and two lifetime now against each other is it if if Brian Flores can somehow win this game week one against the New England Patriots can we start to say that the apprentice has become the master I wouldn't say the master but I'd definitely say we're cutting off his um ponytail like, uh, do you remember when they did that for Anakin Scott? Do you even like Star Wars? I do, but I don't, I don't know. I, I love Star Wars. It, I was a late okay, bloomer okay. with that, just like I was with the Marvel movies. But I, I do enjoy it. But you, as soon as you said ponytail cutting off, I didn't know what you're talking about. So when they when they got Anakin Skywalker and they made him a Jedi, he got this little ponytail and it's supposed to reference someone being a Padawan. And then after, you know, you reach, I don't know, you have your bar mitzvah or whatever, you get the ponytail cut off and then you become a Jedi Knight. And then after that, you become a Jedi master. So this is the ponytail game for Brian Flores. This is, if he wins this, we're taking Mace Windu's purple lightsaber. We're cutting that ponytail right off and we're giving him a fresh green lightsaber. I think this is a great test. I think winning in New England does a lot, but I'm never going to be one like Tom Brady to count out Bill Belichick and the Patriots. But this would be a great confidence boost, especially winning in New England. Tua would be 2-0 and against the uh, for the Dolphins against the Patriots, cough, cough. And the next game would be in Miami, and that can only help the Dolphins. Yeah, Jake, I don't think I can follow up that Star Wars reference because, like I said, I, I love Star Wars, and I wasn't even sure what you're talking about there. <laughs> so I think we both agree that he, he's much closer to the master, but we got to you know pump our brakes a little bit. But excitement should be at an all-time high for the Miami Dolphins. Week one, Jake, I'm going to try to ask you your prediction. I have written down here the Miami Dolphins are going to win 27 27- to 13. So that's my prediction. I think the Dolphins are going to go up there. And, you know, I looked at the two scores from last season. That kind of seems to be the, the 
difference between the two. So we'll go 27-13, Miami Dolphins. That would be nice. That would be a nice, easy day. And, and Josh, the one thing, I, I know we've said this a couple of times, but I don't understand the people who cover the team and have some sort of rooting interest, whether it's just to kind of tell stories or otherwise, how they don't always pick the team to win, especially when there's no money involved, because nothing is more miserable than saying, yeah, Josh, I can't wait to do three podcasts with you next week after the Dolphins get the shit kicked out of them, <laughs> 40 to 10 by the Patriots on opening day. Like, who does that? That sounds like so much yeah. fun to me. Don't you want to listen to this podcast <laughs> <laughs> I got to go. I, I think 24-10 Miami Dolphins. I, I just really have a hard time seeing how this Patriots team finds the end zone. I could see the Dolphins kind of get out early and, and kind of try to sail to the uh, you know finish line here. But Gaskin might have a little trouble kind of keeping the chains moving just because that Patriots front seven compared to Miami's offensive line struggles. Uh, maybe the Patriots kind of break one free late in the game where it might not really matter too much. But uh, give me a 24-10. Have a nice day and uh, we'll see you next week. I love that. So we're both rooting for the Dolphins to win. So hopefully that works out in our favor. But you're right. It's almost like when people tweet things out on Twitter, you know, all these negative things. Someone tweeted out like a few days before the Shaheen news and now Austin Jackson news. Only going to be a matter of time now before we hear that the Dolphins have some players on the COVID list. Why the hell do you tweet things like that? Bad things never, bad things always come from that. So maybe that's just me being too too superstitious. But um, guys, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance we're going to pick the Dolphins every single week and you're just going to have to deal with it. After the games, though, that, that's what we have. We, we, I, I like to think most of the time we're a little more reasonable post-game when we can kind of ingest everything that happened and get an idea of the game. Here, Josh, the thing that makes sports so much fun is the fact that nobody has no idea what the hell is happening. Uh, and I'm going to stick with my horse Especially if that's in the case. 100%. That's why, I mean, you think about what Cam Newton did last year. I mean, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact with this week one. I mean, the Dolphins didn't know how the Patriots were going to operate with Cam Newton under center. So I think that's important to keep in mind here, too. But, Josh... I love it. I'm hoping we come in here on Monday ready to roll and talk about a victory Monday. I mean, the undefeated Dolphins is just two words that seem to uh, really stick together. So, Josh, give me give me your fantasy start for the week. Who's someone I should play, whether it's my personal team or even maybe take a peek at in FanDuel, DraftKings, wherever you like to uh, play with a little money? Earlier today, you kind of touched on it, but I had Miles Gaskin here. I think he's going to have over 100 yards total from scrimmage. We heard Brian Flores earlier today say, uh, he was asked about the chemistry between Tua and Gaskin. His chemistry with Miles is good. The two of them have spent a lot of time together, whether it's ball handling in the run game, pass plays, Miles moves around a lot, and obviously catching the ball. I think they have a good rapport. So um, I look back at it, Salvin Ahmed had that big game. I mean, I think he's going to have a pretty large say in this. You know, I think we look at this running back system. No one knows how this is going to shake out. But I think if you had to pick a running back, if you had to pick one of those guys to, to have a pretty big game, I'm going to go for Miles Gaskin, 100-plus yards from scrimmage. What about you, Jake? And that's, if we, and that's if we don't pick the defense. Let me just say that because I do think that if you want a defense this week, you keep saying about the DFS, you should be smashing the Miami Dolphins because I do think Absolutely. you're going to ring McCorkle's bell. I, I do have to I think the funniest thing Dolphins Twitter has done in a long time is whenever there's a tweet talking about who's Mac Jones' favorite receiver going to be, and they just post a picture of Xavier Howard. I think that is that is so spot on for this matchup. And, and Josh, I just think that it is kind of going to be this weird rock, but I don't think the Patriots are going to let the Dolphins get the easy yards on the ground. I went on my Devontae Parker rant, and I do think he can really dictate the, the game plan, uh, how the Dolphins are going to approach this. But I do think the Patriots are going to do what they can to slow him down. So I'm going to go with the fact that one of Miami's offensive coordinators is a tight end coach. I'm going to go with the fact that the Miami Dolphins broke franchise records at tight end for receiving yards and touchdowns last year. And I'm going to go with two more facts here. One that Mike Kosicki is not a veteran. He's done this before. He's shown that he can be a sustainable tight end. Additionally, the dude is trying to get paid. 
So I think Isiki's going to be a baller when the Dolphins need him to be, especially if Parker is shut down. Give me five for 80 and a touchdown from Gusecki and a couple smiles as he uh, maybe tumbles to the ground and moves the chains for a first down. You dirty dog, you. I love that Mike Gusecki <laughs> thing because, I mean, he has kind of been a Patriot killer over the last few um, seasons with the Miami Dolphins. But, Jake, this was an awesome podcast. I think, you know, we sat here and did a podcast on the 10 things we learned in preseason. We're now doing our preview of the New England Patriots. We have yet to give out our season prediction. So um, I say we jump right into that. Do you want to go first? Josh, I think you should go first because you put something down. This is why I like doing the rundown and you you kind of putting things in as I'm doing it because when, when you do it and then I add stuff, I see you going in and changing things just based on what I'm saying. So I want your confidence to show. I want you to say it with your chest out, damn it. What's Miami's record going to be? Yeah, so see, now you know how I feel when I come into these things because I'm always like a lost puppy. But here we go. <clears throat> you guys ready for this? So I, I really wanted to say 10 and 7. I said back in April that the Dolphins would go 10 and 7. That was my prediction. But I can't honestly go through game by game and feel that way. So I'm going to have to say 11 and 6 in playoffs. I split the ser- season series with the Pats and the Bills. I have them losing to the Bucks and, of course, the Ravens because I joked that they'll probably have Jay Ajayi by then. And then, uh, you know, maybe the Titans is another loss. And then since this is the NFL, a random loss somewhere in there between the Jags, Raiders, Jets, Panthers, or Saints. So I think the biggest thing here, Jake, and my real hot take is that I do believe this is the year the Miami Dolphins finally win a playoff game. Sheesh. And it'll, I said it. I said so it. you think probably a road playoff game, too, to put that a little more pizzazz on it, too? Yeah. An ass whooping on the road. Oh man, Wait, that, that was giving, to be something. opening up a can of whoop ass on the road. There, there we go. That sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> it's opening day for us too, Josh. I am going to go 12 and five. Again, it goes back to the Woo-hoo! fact that I'm going to root for my team. And Josh, when you think about Miami's three losses at home last season, two of them were very early in the year. It was Bill's. 33 to 27. I think Fitzpatrick almost let a comeback in that one. And then the Seahawks game where Jason Sanders was going for the world record in field goal attempts. I think he hit through six in that game. Uh, So Josh, those two games right there, I can see a year of experience, a year of growth, your expectation. Those are two games you should definitely win, especially at home. And then the Chiefs game, I still think that if Bobby McCain doesn't get hurt, I think that game is so different. So that's another one where home game, I want to give that advantage to the Dolphins. I have a hard time, especially being a 17-game season, and the fact that Miami gets that extra game at home. I just think 12-5, and I think this team's going to hit a stride. And and Josh, let me rephrase that. I hope this team hits the stride. I want to have some fun this year. We all do. And I think, you know, whether they win 10 games, 11, well, I can't say 10 games for real, unless they make the playoffs, but you know, if they go 11 and six and make playoffs 12 and five, all we want to do is see the dolphins play some meaningless football. All we want to do is, you know, get back at the Buffalo bills for that week 17 bloodbath. And, you know, just once again, feel like, and just once again, see the dolphins play in the postseason because I think the last time they did was 2016 when Matt Moore was the quarterback and I rushed home from work. I got all dressed up. It was one of the happiest days of my life. And then, well, the shit hit the fan. (laughs) Literally. Josh, I have to say, stepping in here, I mean, I've been waiting so long for this day, and I do have to say, as we've gotten through the preseason, I hope you feel the same way, but I'm just going to go ahead and say shout out Dolphin Jerry. The more people uh, I've seen come to me and comment on my tweets or DM me has been absolutely awesome. The The show numbers have been improving. It's it's official signs the season's back. And I hope we're giving you guys the quality you guys all deserve for taking the time to listen to the show. Shout out Jerry for telling me that it might be the acoustics in my room that are an issue, which I actually think that's probably a uh, pretty good chance. And shout out to the other guy who, uh, I'm sorry, I really should have kept your name closer to me, uh, but basically told me to put my nose up against the mic and act like I'm eating it. So hopefully that stuff is working. Thank you guys so much for helping us. And and Josh, I mean, 
you're the Twitter guy. So, so where should we find you on Twitter? What have you been posting lately? Well, I uh, actually had a chance to interview Christian Wilkins the other day, and I tweeted out yesterday I spoke with Christian Wilkins about his time with the Dolphins, what it's like going from rebuild to AFC East contenders, this weekend's matchup versus New England, X's Icy Shop, to his improvement, and snatching change. So check that article out in the Finsider. If you like what I'm saying, follow me on Twitter, at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. Whether you like it or not, please follow Jake Mendel, at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show. We'll be back Monday with our recap of Sunday's game versus the New England Patriots. Sunday's win. Cough, cough. <laughs> Finsider Radio, Fins part of Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins